I never told anybody to lie. My biggest job is to prevent the enemy from hitting us again. And that's exactly what I'm going to do. America's best days are yet to come. You ain't seen nothing yet. Government is not the solution to our problem. Government is the problem. We have the power to make this the best generation of mankind in the history of the world. Or to make it the last. Hey everybody, this is Philip Stuckey with the Daily Caller News Foundation, and this here is uh, Ted Goodman, also with the Daily Caller News Foundation, and this is our weekly recap. Ted, what's going on in the world? Uh, today we're going to talk about uh, President Trump fulfilling one of his top campaign promises. Um, we'd also, we'll, we'll get into the United Airlines situation, uh, talk about Steve Bannon and, and the White House and some gossip that uh, we've heard in the media, as well as recap the special election in Kansas. And then we'll discuss Virginia and Georgia and some elections yes. happening there this year. Got some big stuff happening right now in the news. So the first story that we're going to be doing right now is uh, we're going to be working on actually um, our one of our reporters at the Daily Caller News Foundation, Thomas Fippen, has uh, launched a huge story talking about um, the mother of all bombs um, that was that Donald Trump actually dropped yesterday. Um, so apparently there was a lot of reporting going around that it cost um, anywhere between 16 million to 300 million uh, for each uh, bomb that was dropped. Um, but unfortunately, our reporter actually found out that that reporting was based off of a old report on an entirely different bomb. Uh, so all of the liberal uh, heart wringing, hand wringing, if you will, um, about you know how expensive the bomb was is completely inaccurate. Uh, so with us here we have uh, Thomas Fippen, um, our reporter from the Daily Caller News Foundation as well. Hello, Thomas. How's it going? It's going great, Philip. Uh, thanks for having me on your show. Yeah, thanks for, thanks for being here. Um, so what, um, what puts you on the track of this particular story? Well, I cover uh, a lot of government contracts and uh, defense spending, and uh, I was seeing a lot of reports yesterday afternoon about how the Moab, uh, the mother of all bombs, um, the official title is Massive Ordnance Air Blast, I was seeing a lot of reports about how it cost uh, $313 million, excuse me, $314 million for the program um, and a cost of uh, $16 million per unit. Wow. Uh, so I was looking at that, and uh, I couldn't really find where that information was coming from. Uh, yeah, definitely. And it got repeated by multiple outlets. Time, uh, the New York Times even repeated it. Wow. Um, CNBC. And uh, as far as I can tell, it's based on a... Uh, the price of a different bomb uh, called the really? MOP, which is also a huge bomb. So what uh, is that bomb? That bomb, the MOP, it stands for Massive Ordnance Penetrator, and that bomb is designed to uh, really destroy bunkers. Uh, it's called a, it's based on a bunker-busting bomb. It's called a bunker-busting bus bomb, and it's uh, we know the price of it because it was uh, built by, by uh, various contractors, including Boeing. Oh, okay. <clears throat> but the Moab, which uh, Trump uh, or which U.S. forces dropped on Afghanistan yesterday, that bomb was uh, it was built by uh, a research lab uh, in I think it's Florida, Eagland Research Lab. Uh, oh, okay. And uh, it wasn't it wasn't they didn't have a lot of contracts on it, so they didn't have the, what the Defense Department is telling me is that they did not have uh, the same uh, procurement methods for it. So they didn't they didn't uh, lay out all the costs okay. for the bomb. So we really don't know exactly how much Moab costs. 
So, so why do you think some in the media have been peddling this number, 314 million? Well, it's a big number, uh, and no doubt the bomb is expensive. Uh, when we, uh, it'll take some more, uh, some more digging to find out exactly how much it costs, but uh, no doubt it's expensive. You know, there are only, we don't know exactly how many there are, but there's at least ten, um, probably more. Uh, but there aren't that many of them. We haven't used them um, at all before yesterday. Uh, so we're not sure how much it costs. And, and you spoke with someone from the Air Force, correct? I, I, I talked to a, a number of sources, yeah. Okay. And, 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 and this person mentioned that this was, this, these munitions were built and produced in-house, so they, that means they don't have an, a cost associated with it? Yeah, that's the, how does that that's work? the, that's the strange question. Um, I'd imagine that they do have a cost associated with it. Uh, it's, cl- it's classified or they haven't released it to the public. Um, so no doubt. They have some some costs associated with it. Um, we just haven't they just haven't released that information yet. Is there uh, a plan to release that information? Not that I'm aware of. Okay. Uh, not that I'm aware of. Um, it, again, this was this was in 2003, at the very start of the, the Iraq War. Uh, we used a lot of bunker busters. We did use a lot of bunker busting bombs, right? That was the and that was sort of the uh, the impetus for creating the Moab was as a, a deterrent for Saddam Hussein. Um, it's one of the it's one of the most powerful bombs uh, that's not a nuclear bomb. The wow. Moab and the the MOP, the bunker busting bomb, those are the two most powerful bombs we have uh, that are not nuclear weapons. Okay, great. And and you know this is uh, this is the president. You know what? Eighty five days into his presidency, fulfilling one of his top campaign promises. Right during the campaign, he has he said multiple times, "We're going to bomb the shit out of ISIS," and this is exactly what he did yesterday. Would you agree? He did. He did bomb the shit out of ISIS yesterday. That's true. Yeah, he said that on. Uh, he said he would bomb the shit out of ISIS in November of 2015, and uh, now he is. Yeah. So, so uh, that was an easy one to fulfill. It's uh, a lot of people. Uh, and people then a lot in the media are trying, you know, ISIS. are trying to put a price tag on the bomb. When you so, know, um, when, when when kind of you know, how how many of them are talking about the fact that here is the president fulfilling a top campaign promise. You know, That's 85 true. days in the office. That's true. You heard it here first. So speculation, what's the next campaign promise? That, that he's going to fulfill? <laughs> yeah. Uh, he also said he would blow up uh, ISIS's oil fields in Iraq. Okay, that's uh, true. He also so said keep the oil. Be, he also said keep the oil. Yeah, so who knows? Maybe <laughs> he's going to go take ISIS's oil. Just There you go. Just take it. There you go. And then and then charge them for the privilege, probably. There you go, yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, they, uh, thank you very much, uh, Thomas, uh, for the Daily Caller News, News Foundation here, uh, talking to us about that great story. So we actually have a couple other stories um, that we're going to talk about next. Um, so, uh, so, Ted, Steve Bannon, um, there's a little bit of intrigue, an extension kind of in the palace intrigue story, uh, where essentially, you know, people are arguing that Steve Bannon could be on the way out um, even so much. Or, Who, you know, if not, who's saying that? Uh, who's saying that? Um, well, it was in uh, it was in Politico, it was in the uh, New York Times, Washington Post. I mean, basically everybody's saying that uh, that you know between Jared Kushner and Reince Priebus, um, Spain is quickly becoming the odd man out. Okay. So, what do you think about that, Ted? Well, nobody won the election. You know, President Trump won the election, and um, he had help. He had he had he had good people around him that were helping him with it. But at the end of the day, that was his election. He did what it took to win the thing, and so I don't. I don't think it's right for other people to be taking credit from that. And that's not that that that's what Mr. Bannon's doing. But you hear these reports in the media that, oh, you know, the president's getting frustrated with Mr. Bannon because he's taking credit for for the election and that. And I don't. Where, where are these journalists? Where are these reporters getting this information? Right. Like, well, I mean, honestly, this? from Donald Trump himself, uh, he gave an interview where he refused to say 
um, that he supported Bannon. And, and, and he one, didn't of the key, fe- one of the key parts, Ted, in the interview was he, that he said that, you know, I didn't, I had a very good campaign strategy to begin with well before Bannon even joined the campaign. Yes. Which, um, which is true. And so, you know, for that kind of thing, it's basically, it's, he's dis- discounting Bannon's importance, um, to the campaign on one hand. And he's refusing to say that he likes, uh, that he's, you know, completely no, he's answering him. the media who's trying to, oh, you know, so well, and so I mean, was so instrumental. If in he was trying to answer the question and still say that he supported Bannon, that was very easy to do. He he still is chief strategist. He still has a president's ear, as far as we know, uh, and he represents um, a, a a good number of, of folks that that uh, voted for the president um, on on issues such as trade, right, and 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 and, and na- civic nationalism. And so i I don't know I don't know how much I buy into this. This whole idea that there's just infighting in, amongst Trump's closest uh, advisors. But, of course, there's a probably a difference in ideology between Mr. Bannon and some of the Wall Street execs that the president has brought into his cabinet and, and some of his finance advisors and that sort of thing. But that's healthy, right? You want to have those sorts – you want to have those uh, different perspectives uh, in the president's ear. So I don't, I don't know – why is this being painted as such a bad thing? I mean, it's that there are competing voices it, in the White House, isn't that well, what we not, want? It's not. That's not what's being painted as a bad thing. It's necessarily, um, you know, Bannon's role could be on his way out. It's not. And it's not. They're not really saying that it's good or that's bad. Just that it's happening. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, this is. I think this is important because you know a lot of people on the far right were supporting Trump. Um, you know, maybe because of Bannon, uh, because of you know his kind of reach at Breitbart. Um, so I think there's a lot of people that are saying, hey, wait a minute, you know, we wanted this this man, this voice in the White House, you know, you should listen to him a little bit more, especially in light of some of these recent movements, like like the bombing that we just talked about, you know, as far as Donald Trump kind of moving towards more of a traditional conservative view. What, well, uh, c- traditional conservative view on what? On bombing On foreign ISIS? policy, yeah. I mean, you know, because traditional conservatives, you know, inside the Beltway people. The, listen, um, the president promised to bomb the shit out of ISIS, and that's exactly what he did yesterday. I don't know how that's a partisan issue, or, you know. He also, I mean, basically what they're saying is that, you know, American first policy kind of moved, you know, it, basically what they're saying is they're, they're calling this kind of a redefinition of America first, if you will. Sure. I'd, I'd be curious to hear from our, our Facebook live viewers and podcast listeners on their thoughts on on the president's foreign policy moves recently, whether it's Syria um, or, or 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 the bomb yesterday, or even the tough talk that the president's uh, putting out there towards North Korea, uh, I'd be curious to see what 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 some of the Trump supporters and how they feel about that. Because you're right, there's this divide even amongst his supporters between those who you know are asking the president to to, to focus on issues here at home, kind of more of an isolation isolationist wing of his supporters. Against those who are, are 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 very excited and happy to see the president taking action against Assad, uh, and 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 you know fulfilling his promise to bomb the shit out of ISIS. Yeah, <laughs> say that say that a couple more times, Ted. Um, but anyway, uh, so moving on, um, as you know, probably by now, United Airlines has a, quite a huge um, crisis on its hands as far as its how it's ha- handled uh, this particular customer on a flight from Chicago to Kentucky. Um, what, uh, first of all, what, what was your reaction to when you saw that video? At first, as many people were a little shocked, right? You see, you see this man 
being dragged out of his seat. Um, and he, of course, was screaming, and other passengers were screaming. So it was very, very dramatic, very epic uh, footage, right? Just everything kind of came together to, in this video that came out was, was, I guess, borderline traumatic for some people. <laughs> yeah, definitely. I mean, it, of course it was traumatic. You know, I mean, there was a... You know, and can, can you imagine? I mean, you know, sitting in a seat that you that you paid for, and then understand, then realizing that hey, I'm, I don't get to sit there anymore. Yeah, and but and, however, this is something that folks that fly are aware of, right? Um, airline companies do what's called uh, they overbook flights, right? Banking on the fact that a number of people will not show up, and they it's in their interest to make sure that those those flights are are full, that every seat is filled, and so here's a situation where. They needed to have some uh, actually United employees. So they're saying it wasn't actually overbooked, but they did have four United airline employees that needed to get uh, to the next destination for additional yeah. and, flying. And honestly, I, th flight. I think that's kind of the big controversy here. I mean, it, this did not have to happen. I mean, it was completely averted. There was no overbooked flight. I mean, and, and that's kind of what's well, the interesting United, is, I mean, the United response at first was, hey, you know, we overbooked this flight. This is a thing that happens. Like, But no, that's not what happened. All they wanted to do was give one of their employees a, a free of their, seat well, on the plane. See that, that you know the other side of that is they needed to get those pilots to they Louisville. They weren't even pilots. They, they, none, of, none of the four were pilots. No, but they needed the, but those employees needed to be on a different flight. Is what what I was told, right? Yeah. Well, I mean, yeah, they needed to be on a different flight the next day. Okay. And so, but this the thing is, this isn't like something new, right? If you fly, you understand that they have this sort of thing. And United no, you, offered... No, Ted, you don't understand that you're going to be beaten and abused <laughs> by airport police okay, every time you get on is... a plane. <laughs> and you're right. However, they have this this policy, right? So now the employees of United are in a, are in a tough situation because, okay, they got to get these seats opened up for these employees. That's just... That's in their manual. I'm sure they have a policy and it's all laid out how they handle this sort of situation. Nobody, off, nobody took them up on their offer of a Eight hundred dollar voucher, and and uh, and and hotel room and board, and so they had to randomly select four individuals from that flight to. to well, they didn't really have to do that. Like industry standard, acceptable standard, and industry standards are at that point to increase the amount. Yes, that, yes, that that's you true. offer. They so they could have done yep, that, yep. like every other airline in existence does, mm -hmm. but they didn't. Mm -hmm. Why? They were in the wrong, and I yeah, I, I would be curious to know why they just stopped at 800 maybe i've heard they went up to a thousand um but i there you know once he was selected to be removed from the flight from the random however the airline chose the four passengers and he's decided not to go what was the airline supposed to do yeah i mean and that's fair you know because at that point oh know, well he has a good reason he says he's a doctor so, so and he has you, patients to see so, so you're not you gonna go and then we're gonna pick somebody else to go yeah, so you, you pick somebody else to go, and then that person says, well, why didn't that person have to go? I'm just as, as important. So, you know, I, I totally understand that from that perspective. But I, I believe that they shouldn't have even done the lottery at that point yet because, you know, who knows? It, like, you know, if I, if I don't want to do, you know, there's somebody there. There's somebody that's going home for vacation. There's somebody that doesn't really have the time consideration, like that maybe if they don't want to go for 800 yeah. they'll go for 1500 Yeah. You know, and so – and that's how, that's how the industry handles it. And, and you know, none of their responses, none of the airline's responses have actually kind of acknowledged that that was a possibility. Well, in this country, as you know, so over something like 80% of all flights are, are, are controlled by four airlines, right? United, American, yeah. Delta, and, and Southwest. And so, you know, I'm not disparaging any of the major airlines in this country, but sometimes, you know, they, they understand that they're able to 
kind of sometimes treat passengers this way because what what else are you going to do? You know, what you don't right. have any other options as far as flying. That's true. Yeah, that's that's very true. But his reactions, he he you would have thought he was. Yeah, I mean, honestly, and that's another thing. I mean, you know, he's, he reportedly said, you know, just kill me. Like, I mean, that's a huge response. You know, I mean, uh, it, basically, a lot of these people are saying that, you know, it's proof that he went through some emotional trauma. But, you know, honestly, I mean, if I'm going to play the devil's advocate here, you know, was it something, was he looking, I mean, he could have been looking for a fight. He could have been just been like something. I don't think he was looking for a well, fight. No, okay, he, was, you like, know, he was coming back from LA or something. I mean, but and honestly. He, flying like, for 20, he wanted to just get home, right? And who, who, goes from, who goes from, I'm not going to leave the seat to just kill me. Oh, that yeah, quick. yeah, yeah. You know, that seriously. Was, that was, um, yeah, I don't want to make light of it because he no, was obviously not. Not. hurt in the incident. And, um, yeah, United's in trouble. They had, they have a duty of care. They didn't meet that, it most likely. So this passenger is going to be in for a big payday. And I actually heard another passenger on that flight on CNN last night. And it looks like they are also leaving um, leaving open the option of suing the airlines as well. So that really? might be some, like emotional distress or something. Oh, yeah. wow. Um, That's be- funny. Yeah. It's maybe survivor's guilt or something. Yeah, well, <laughs> well, the, the, the airline – United offered all the other passengers, uh, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll pay for your ticket, right? We'll refund yeah, your sure. ticket for that flight. Um, but in order to do that, you have to promise not to sue the airlines. And Is that really part of the agreement? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So um, this passenger said no, she wasn't prepared to to take that offer from the airlines. So wow, um, okay. Expect to see some uh, some of these passengers uh, hire some lawyers here. So you might see even some more lawsuits. So there you It'll go. Interesting to, interesting to follow that. That's great. So we have about uh, about ten ten minutes, give or less. Um, you know, on our show next. So we wanted to focus on. Uh, we wanted to focus on uh, some campaign news coming up because there was quite a lot of important campaign information that came out. So first of all, uh, Republicans, uh, Ron Estes won in uh, Kansas, special election to replace um, – who was he, who was he to replace? Let's see. That was um, – anyway, so um, in the Kansas special election, um, the Republican won. But basically the, Democra- the spin is that Democrats won really – because they didn't invest that much time or money into the race compared to uh, we actually had uh, Donald, President Donald Trump uh, campaign to the race. He held a fundraiser. Uh, Vice President Mike Pence held a fundraiser. Um, and so basically what the Democrats are saying is, hey, we don't really have to try that hard. And it was only like, you know, we only lost by like 10 percent, which I think honestly is not um, not a real accurate depiction of the race results because I mean seriously okay so look at this so we look at so uh, Mike Pompeo is who it was replaced uh, Kansas yeah, yeah. so uh, <laughs> thanks Ted um, so basically so what they're saying so if you take a look at Mike Pompeo's uh, campaign history he won um, he's been in the race for a number of years the first time he won he won by two percentage points higher than Estes won. So basically what you're saying is you're comparing Mike Pompeo has been running for the seat who has a very high name, nationally known um, congressman who won with, you know, 67 percent in 2016. And so what you're, you're comparing that to some generally well, relatively unknown person in a uh, much smaller turnout special election and kind of trying to say that there's some sort of comparison and saying that it's all because of Trump. Yeah. Which you know, and that's and that's kind of the democratic the, thing here. It's all everything's because of Trump. Yeah. <laughs> they, and the Democrats are hailing this as a huge victory, right? They lost by seven points. Yeah. The Republican Ron Estes defeated the Democrat by seven points. Yeah. And Democrats are all happy. They're like, oh, this is you know a sign of things to come. Yeah. Um, 
I think Republicans are are in a good spot if if, if Democrats are here cheering seven point <laughs> losses. As, yeah, know. yeah. I mean, and you know, even then, um, the Huffington, Huffington Post reported um, yet last night, late last night, um, that there was a actually there was a special election in Illinois uh, for a small township mayoral race. And um, basically what happened was it actually came down. It was so close. It was a special election, a very small election. Um, it came down to a coin toss. It came down to a coin toss. This was last week. And it uh, basically the, the Democrat ended up winning the coin toss. But the Illinois state Democratic chair said that it's proof that Trump is on the run. <laughs> yeah. You know? And uh, I think that's that's it, fascinating, honestly, that you have to search that hard in order to declare any sort of victory, honestly. And I don't and, and what some of these pundits don't realize is that a lot of these Trump voters historically didn't vote either didn't vote uh, That's true. Or, or 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 definitely weren't affiliated as a Republican or a Democrat. So Right. And I, I think that's part of like honestly, I mean, your argument I, th- I think you mean to kind of oppose these people, but it almost supports their view, right? Because, you know, if you have people that have never voted in an election and you know, the election did have a very high turnout um, you have a lot of people that aren't voting now, and I think that's kind of what Democrats are banking on moving forward. Like, if you have a lot of people that are, you know, that were Trump supporters that don't necessarily aren't motivated to vote okay. anymore, um, and so that's kind of what we're talking about. Yeah, for 2018, okay, 2017, and uh, we're actually seeing that exact strategy playing out in Georgia, uh, okay. the Georgia special election to replace Tom Tuesday, Price. correct? Uh, that is, it's the 18th. Yeah, same day as tax day. So uh, if you haven't gotten to your taxes, make sure you do your taxes and vote. With the two the two worst things you can do as far you know, for, as far as the government's concerned, um, but yeah. So basically, what they're doing is they're trying to say that you know this is this is an opportunity for people who voted for Trump to kind of recant their vote, if you will, is kind of the main push. And it's a huge winner nationally because the National Democrats have raised up to over eight point three million, like we reported last week, uh, for John Ossoff. And uh, so that's you know that's going to be quite fascinating to see what happens. With what are that. they saying about that Georgia race right now? Uh, so it's actually going to be a lot closer than it was supposed to be. So basically, but they were saying that about Kansas too. Well, okay, so it was a lot. It was so it was supposed to be a Democratic crowd, and now it's like okay, well Republicans are win, going to win probably, but it's going to be really close. <laughs> yeah, it's like but it's going to be really close, you guys. Yeah. Um, so that's kind of what we're, that's kind of what, uh, how the, that race is looking. Uh, just a couple other, um, key races that are happening. Okay. So, um, New Jersey is, is, there are two, New basically, Jersey. two states are having, uh, governor's races this year, 2017. So Chris, to replace, uh, so Governor Christie, who you had some inform- information on, where does Chris Christie rank as far as? The- so there was a poll that was published last week, uh, where Chris Christie was actually ranked the least popular governor in the wow. United States right now. Um, so that, I mean, that's basically really huge. Wow. Uh, even if he was able to run again, um, basically, you know, it wouldn't do him any good, which is, which is kind of frustrating for his lieutenant governor who is actually running, uh, Kim, uh, Guadagno, um, I believe is how her name is pronounced. I've only, I've only written it. Um, but anyway, she is, uh, Chrissy's lieutenant governor and she's running for governor now. And uh, so basically what happens, there's a bunch of other Republicans in the race right now uh, that are trying to kind of paint her with that same brush um, as Chris Christie. And to fight that. Hey, what paint, what, what kind of brush is, you know, scandalous, we, what, the, the whole Bridgegate thing, the, you know, all this stuff. I mean, he's a very unpopular governor. He's very unpopular in New Jersey amongst New Jersey residents, yes, right? Yes, amongst Virginia. Is New that Jersey because he, he was campaigning? He was gone a lot or yeah, is, I mean, or is it mostly because of Bridgegate still? Uh, there's a lot of a lot of people didn't agree with how he handled the whole Bridgegate scandal, including reportedly President Donald Trump. Really? Yes. Um, but anyway, so so Kim Guadagno is actually uh, she hired um, 
someone who actually ran Jeb Bush's uh, primary campaign. Uh, Danny Diaz is a, um, a political consultant based out of Florida who is now going to be running Kim's campaign. And, uh, you know, of course, you know, Jeb Bush, I, uh, in all disclosure, actually worked for the man. Um, he didn't do very well. And he went through a lot of money in the process. Yeah. Um, so we'll see if that decision actually pans out for, her. you know, I, uh, Politico actually reported it saying, um, that basically, um, you know, Politico reported yeah, that, reported what? Stucky. <laughs> thanks. Uh, Politico reported that, um, what a Politico report. Okay. <laughs> let's just, let's just, let's just go away from that. Are, are we talking about New Jersey still? <laughs> yeah. We're still talking about New Jersey. Oh yeah. Politico reported that, uh, that Danny Diaz is going to have the same level of success as <laughs> he did with Jeb Bush. So we'll see what happens. Uh, he was also one of the younger, the just... youngest political uh, consultants to actually run a presidential campaign. I feel like that. you were about to tell us that and then you didn't really want to tell us that for a minute. Maybe. Yeah, that's 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 kind of what it was. Like I just kind of yeah. completely okay. blanked about that. And then that, Virginia, but... can you catch us up with what's happening in Virginia? Any... Yeah, so there was actually a pretty intense um, Why don't you race. set the stage? What? Well, yeah, explain to folks that weren't with us last week. Yeah, there was a pretty intense debate last night actually. The first um, okay, the the first presidential or the first governor, gubernatorial uh, Republican debate was actually televised last night at Liberty University. Um, and so there was a lot of sparks that flew. Uh, basically everyone's a liar. If you listen to all the can- the candidates. Okay. Um, so we had uh, Corey Stewart who is kind of basically the lightning rod of the campaign so far. Um, he's campaigned. Uh, and campaign he's the Trump. former Don, uh, campaign manager for Trump's Virginia campaign. Yes. Yeah. He actually, he ran, uh, president Donald Trump's Virginia campaign before it was shuttered completely. Um, shortly after he was dismissed by the campaign. He was dis- oh, he was dismissed from the campaign. Yes. Yeah. Uh, in all fairness, Stewart asserts that it was mutual. Um, but that was the day after he launched a uh, protest at the RNC headquarters here in D.C. Okay. Oh, okay. I remember that now. Yeah. Yeah. So basically, um, so he's running. We have uh, Ed Gillespie is running. He was the, the RNC chair uh, under the Bush administration. He was He actually ran for Senate in 2014 against Mark Warner and lost by a half a percentage point despite being underfunded and underspent by $10 million um, compared to his campaign, his, his opponent. So anyway, then you also had uh, Frank Wagner, who's a state Senate campaign, um, who's, a, who's a state senator, and he is running in the race as well. And he believes that uh, Ed Gillespie is, has misled the people about his potential tax plan. And that's kind of what he said. So there was a lot of people calling each other liars, a lot of name calling, a lot of insults. Uh, it, was, it was very reminiscent of uh, the presidential campaign, actually. Wow. Yeah. Mm. So, that was at Liberty. That was at Liberty University. And uh, so both of those candidates have been there before. Um, so basically, so in Florida, actually, we have another key Senate race that's happening. Uh, so the the governor right now is very popular, um, Rick Scott. And um, he he's, he's, the, he's not going to be able to run for governor again in 2018. So he's going to be running for Senate against um, against Senator Nelson right now, who was an astronaut. And uh, so basically what that's actually going to happen, uh, there's been a couple of key hires, a couple of key fundraisers that is going on now. So that's actually going to start ramping up as well soon, which is going to be very fascinating. But uh, there's a lot of really great campaign news uh, you know, going on right now. And um, I would be curious to hear from our, our Facebook Live viewers or podcast listeners uh, as to the state of the races in Georgia. Uh, yeah. And in Virginia, New Jersey, and these different places, being there um, and, and being on the ground obviously gives you a, a greater insight, I think, than than just reading reports from Washington. Um, 
Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's, you know, of course, we always want to hear from the people on the ground. I mean, you know, one of the key things about the uh, the Donald Trump race, why the reason why it was so unknown that he would win by a lot of people in the Beltway is that they completely just stopped asking people what they felt. So in that same vein, uh, we are actually going to, to announce that we, uh, starting next week, uh, we would like to start hearing from y'all. Uh, we are going to either take phone calls or do something else. We're not quite sure what we're going to do with that. But we actually want to start getting engaged with you, yeah. uh, the viewers. So, you know, we, we like to read your comments during our, our podcast. We're reading we're reading all the comments, good and yeah. bad. <laughs> the good and the bad, yeah. <laughs> um, and so, you know, we want to get more involved and want to hear more about what's going on. Um, you know, in, in the countries, in the, in the, in the states that, that Trump, Donald Trump won, yes. you know, in the states, states maybe that he lost too. Of course. Um, you know, if you're a coal miner who's been hurt by this, uh, by, you know, the d- democratic policies, you know, if you, if anything that happens at all, we want to hear about it. Uh, that's going to start happening next week. Uh, yes. going to be about the same time. And feel free to send us ideas, advice, and, you know. Um, we've, we have some unsolicited advice already coming our way on here. I won't read That's it. That's great. <laughs> <laughs> um, it, I'll read it, but I won't read it out loud to everybody here. Um, <laughs> but you know, this is our second show that we're new to this. Uh, so bear with us. Uh, but we really want to turn this into something special and we can only do that with your help, with your support. Um, so, so please, uh, we want to make this very interactive, uh, a conversation between us, you, and reporters that we bring on from from the DCNF, uh, and and possibly from other outlets in the area. Um, we we really want to make this something special, but we can only do that with your with your support, with your help. And um, so, thanks for joining us today. And uh, with that, we're going to have to close. This is Ted Goodman uh, with the Daily Caller News Foundation. Philip Stucky with the Daily Caller News Foundation. Uh, please let uh, please uh, you can actually download our podcast now on iTunes or Stitcher. Uh, we've been approved for both, so you can actually take us with you wherever you go. Um, and also, thank you very much for joining us. And we will see you next week with the next weekly recap. Have a great weekend.